0: hi guys welcome back to another episode of wake the f up i'm your host madison Polika. you can find me on instagram at Madison.polika. that's m-a-d-i-s-o-n dot p-a-l-i-c-a i I have been heavily censored so if you want to go to my instagram like comment and share my things share my posts with people who you think would appreciate it uh that would be very helpful to me I haven't been doing as many podcasts lately because I've been heavily focused on making my courses. (laughs) Um, I recently just moved in with three boys, so it's basically like I'm living new girl in real life. I'm Jess. (laughs) Um, It's been really fun though, but so yeah, he's playing video games. Yeah, anyway, this podcast just two days ago, I reached 1,000 streams, so that is super, super exciting. I obviously couldn't do this without you guys listening. And this is just on Spotify alone. So this is not counting for the website that hosts my podcast, and it's not counting for Apple Podcasts either. So who knows what the actual number is, but this is just on Spotify, and I am at 155 subscribers on Spotify. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Please keep sharing this podcast. Tell people to subscribe. It would be awesome also if you could leave a review, uh, either on Spotify or on Apple. Yeah, so I'm just gonna go ahead and get into today's topic. I didn't wake up with the intention of making a podcast, but uh, I woke up and I got on Instagram and I saw a couple of people's stories with with Jesus and talking about his support for the LGBTQ community and cause. And You know, it just kind of made me start questioning. So I kept looking at these things. And there was one woman who was making stickers and illustrations of Jesus. Well, there's two different ones. In one, he was wearing the rainbow flag. And it was saying, if Jesus was here today, he would wear your colors. And then there was another one of Jesus wearing a Black Lives Matters shirt. And so I commented on this girl's page. And I said, well, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like with a question mark. And then I got blocked and now I can't see her stuff anymore. So it's kind of sad that they're not open to conversation. But this really made me start questioning things because, you know, are are people just really ignorant to what scripture teaches? Would Jesus wear the colors? So I took to Instagram. I initially shared that post of the rainbow flag Jesus sticker saying, is this true? Would he wear your colors or would he not? Um, and then it disappeared once I got blocked, so I ended up making my own post. But the the main point of this podcast today is about the LDS Church versus LGBTQ and would Jesus wear the rainbow flag? So my main points today are one, (laughs) one, what does God say about homosexuality? Two, would Jesus wear the flag? Three, what are the mental health effects of the church, specifically the LDS Church, on LGBTQ youth, four, is this a gospel issue or is this a culture issue? Five, what is the uh, the BYU and LDS Church's stance on the LGBTQ uh, movement or on homosexuality in general? Another one, can you believe Jesus would wear the rainbow flag and still believe in Jesus? Like, is this a false Jesus? And then. Last but not least, is the difference in LDS versus Bible doctrine. And then I'll kind of sum it all up. So there's so many parts to this. but So I'm going to go through my Instagram story first, just to get it all started off. And then I have some things taken from articles, statistics, and I'm just going to kind of paint this full picture for you. So... On my Instagram story, I say that I posted the story story of the illustration of Jesus wearing the LGBTQ flag and a Black Lives Matter shirt. They blocked me because of my comment about God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm genuinely curious about this as a new believer. And I said, I genuinely worry about people worshiping a false Jesus. There are scriptures that say people will see Jesus and say, we prophesied in your name, and he replies, I never knew you. So, and I say, imagine going to hell because you believed in a Jesus who supported this when he designed man for a woman, woman for a man, and he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for being wicked. So I asked the poll again, would Jesus wear the rainbow flag? 43% of people said, yes, he would, because he loves you. 57% of people said, no, but he still loves you. So next I said... I do agree that there's a huge problem with the way that the LDS culture and community treats LGBTQ people. You know, families here often ostracize their children, like kind of disown them. Utah has very high suicide rates. And so I was saying, is this an issue with the gospel itself or with the way that the culture here treats people? And should we be trying to change Jesus and the gospel to make it more palatable? Or should we stick to the gospel and what it says? And then finally, I asked, is there a difference between the Bible doctrine on homosexuality and the Mormon doctrine on sexuality? So 75% of people said that this is a cultural issue, like an issue with the people and the way that they're treating people. 100% of people said that they should not try to change the gospel, which is very interesting because there were people who answered my polls. And they said, yes, Jesus would wear the rainbow flag shirt, but then they also said the gospel is the gospel. So I'm thinking, are you? do you just not know what the gospel is and you don't know what God says about homosexuality? Or like, do you just have these contradictory beliefs that you're going to have to look at? So then I asked, did God destroy the wicked towns because they were committing homosexual acts? And I mean, you know that there's got to be a, bu- a biblical basis to this stuff because the town of Sodom is where we get the word sodomy, which is the word for anal penetration. So is that why he destroyed them? Or was it other things like their acts being sexually abusive or engaging in orgies or prostitution or just other sins in general that were an abomination to the lord so somebody replied and said this is something that makes no sense to me that so many people in the church are pushing to accept something that's always been classified as a sin by the church and christianity in general my sister is bi and i love her but that doesn't mean i think what she's doing is right in the sight of god I don't know what it's like to have same-sex attraction, and it's a hard topic, but you can't just pretend it's okay. There are people that treat people bad because they think they're sinning, but that's evil on the other side of the spectrum. There's got to be a balance between love and support and not condoning sin. This is a great answer because it is like this really hard line to walk of how do you love and support somebody whose entire life is sinful? Or like their sexual orientation or a lot of people make this their whole identity of, you know, I am gay. This is me. And it's like, how do you love this person while still saying you're going against God? And is it love and support to tell them that so that in the end of days when judgment comes, they're not judged for, you know, denying the gospel and going on and acting in their sinful, fleshy, lustful ways. You know, there's a way for sure to support people, but also tell them, this is not right in the way of God. Like God did design man and woman to be together. I responded that, yeah, honestly, I do think being gay is one of the hardest things to endure. Like just knowing that you can never have a relationship while wanting to be loved your entire life or even faking a relationship that isn't really who you are or what you feel. Like I remember in middle school, one of my friends, yeah, her dad left their family for another man. Like he'd been living a life for years and eventually just broke. But I did say that I think the culture of perfection in Utah makes people ashamed of their own kids for being gay and that's not loving at all. It's like instead of loving the sinner and guiding and supporting them, they just disown them because they don't want to look like they're a sinful family. And that is completely twisted. So I said, I wish there was better education and resources for this topic because nobody really knows what to do. Do you pray and be changed? Do you go your whole life being unhappy? Is it a deeper calling to be in the world and not of it and just truly devote yourself to the Lord? Like, what is the answer here? So they said, I agree with all that. It's such a difficult thing with so many questions. And I totally see the fear induced by parents and family who think their family members are, in quotes, going astray. So they use methods to discourage the behavior, but those methods are so unhealthy, like cutting off support if they are sinning and whatnot. People are not motivated by fear, it just damages them. People need support when they're trying to figure out life, not fear-mongering. And that's totally true. Like, for example, take a person who is addicted to drugs. If you just go on punishing them instead of supporting them, like asking about the root cause, like asking about their trauma, asking, you know, how is this affecting your life, why are you doing this, giving them love and support so that they don't feel the need to resort to drugs... Like, that's a way better answer than saying, like, well, we're going to kick you out of the house for doing this. You know, if anything, that's going to push them into drugs even further. So it's that same type of deal here. So someone responded to my question about Sodom Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed, and they said he destroyed them because they refused to repent, not specifically because of the sin itself. And then I shared a little story. This is from the Mormon Stories podcast, and they're talking about the apostle Jeffrey Holland and his speech having to do with BYU and the gay community. <sighs> but they're basically just saying that the whole thing is really twisted, distorted, it's their fault, that people are committing suicide, so on. So I just wanna give my backstory really quick because I know that there are other people who have also transitioned out of the Mormon church probably because they're gay and because they don't feel welcomed or accepted or supported in the LDS space. So I wanted to give my backstory that. I grew up in the LDS church. The culture was always really judgmental, really perfectionistic. Um, I always felt pretty uncomfortable with it. So at 18, I decided to leave Utah, like leave this whole culture behind to see if I could gain my own testimony in the church. When I was away, I ended up reading the CES letter. Please read it if you haven't already. It just basically goes over the history of the church and the ways that they have intentionally distorted information to mislead their followers. So I read that letter, um, and I ended up going through a faith crisis. I didn't believe in the church anymore, but it was very intense and depressing, and I didn't know what was true, what wasn't true. I didn't know what to believe. I felt very alone. didn't have any support. And when I would mention this to my friends who are still Mormon, it's like in the Mormon church, you're discouraged from talking to people who are not Mormon because when they bring up the history and the problems of the church, it's deemed anti-Mormon. And it's like, I'm not anti-Mormon, this is just the real history of what happened. But, so it's really alienating. So from that point, I was mad, not just at the church, but I was mad at the Bible and Christianity and God in general. I was deeply depressed and had really bad anxiety. So I went into science and quantum physics, crystals, mindfulness, meditation, yoga, you know, all these different Eastern religions, psychedelics, paganism, witchcraft, I started doing rituals. I was into obviously new age spirituality and I just dove into all this research and exploration because I wanted to find the truth because I didn't know what to base my life off of anymore. All of this research I was doing and this truth I was finding pointed to the existence of a god. Like it was completely undeniable that there had to be a god that existed. Like there was too much supernatural magical stuff going on in the world for there to not be some kind of divine creator so i continued in my new age stuff um and i would like pray to the universe but i was also developing this belief in god and then came 2020 And I started to realize that the lies and the manipulation that I discovered throughout my research was way, way bigger than I had previously known or even thought possible, honestly. And it was the news, it was religion or churchianity, movies, TV, music, healthcare, politics, literally everything. And they all centered around these satanic ideas and agendas and like these anti-god rhetorics. Once I got deep enough that I started learning about human trafficking and satanic ritual abuse and I would listen to stories of survivors who were saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ and like who turned their lives around and were not suicidal and on their deathbed anymore, like they literally were saved, it started to create this deeper belief in me of maybe satan does exist, maybe there really is a hell. Maybe there is going to be divine judgment for the people who are inflicting this type of pain onto all of humanity. And suddenly, it was like everything in my life started consistently pointing to the Bible. Me, in 2019, having written Make Your Own Magic, I literally tried to discredit the Bible, and I talk about God being emotionally abusive and all this stuff, and then here I was being led to the freaking Bible. It was like, that was the last thing I wanted to do, but... If I was on a search for the truth, like, I had to just look at it. So I had to swallow my pride. And it was so weird because I was resistant to it, but I was so hungry for everything it had to say. And it's just, like, finally studying it and reading it and, like, having this open heart to it was starting to answer all these questions that I had of, like, why does this matrix exist? Why is everything against humanity in life? And so even though I spent these years, like, in pure hatred hatred of Christianity... I ended up getting pulled back into it by christ and like i don't feel the need anymore to go searching and investigating because the answers are inside that freaking book like they truly are and it feels like home the bible is definitely controversial like especially in this modern world of social movements identity politics socialism communism anti-free speech cancel culture like this coming medical apartheid is controversial but i definitely do believe that it contains the truth And so I continued on to say, like, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? And there's a verse here that says, Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And so I said, The Bible is hard on sin, all sin, sexual immorality, and drunkenness are just as despised as homosexuality. Like, life is a battle for everyone. But we're called to be passers-by in this world. This is not our home. It is a testing ground for, for the eternal life. Like, this is just this tiny blip in our existence. Like, this is just a test. Our duty here is to resist sin and temptation because it leads to disease and death. There are a lot of things I don't agree with with the LDS church on, I mean i do personally believe that it's a false church with a false gospel but even though they might not be communicating it in the best of ways i agree with them and i actually admire them for sticking to the gospel despite the changing times christianity is not called to be progressive it's called to be the exact opposite so if you're a person who is expecting a progressive church you know, a Jesus who wears the LGBT flag. Christianity and the oldest church are not for you. Like they just don't mesh. You cannot create your own version of a God who loves the sin because he doesn't. He hates the sin, loves the sinner. So I got another response from a guy who actually preaches the Bible, s- studies it, teaches it to people who have questions all for free. So he responded and said that, Jesus never supported any movement or political framework other than theocracy. In the Bible, his people grew fond of him and said, we want you to be our king. This meant they wanted Jesus to be a king on earth, ruling an actual nation. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this earth. Later, people wanted to not pay taxes anymore, which was a social movement back then. And they told Jesus to support them. Jesus said, no, and that we must obey the laws of human government, as long as they don't conflict with the laws of God. Lastly, the Jews were going to stone a prostitute because the law said that prostitutes needed to be stoned. Jesus came and told the people, I will give my stone to the first people who had not sinned. No one said anything because they all knew that they had sinned. Jesus then said to the prostitute, be free and sin no more. Essentially, Jesus never supported any social or political movement. He never hated any sinner, nor did he support them. He simply wanted them to change their ways. In the same case today, Jesus doesn't hate gay people, even though it is stated in the Bible as a sin. He loves them all, but he wants them to change their ways so that they can be saved. This is why he died for us and them, so that all sinners can repent and be free and experience his love. So Jesus' love is not an all-accepting love at all. And then he continued to say there's a huge conflict with the Book of Mormon and the Bible. There are some scriptures in the Book of Mormon that contradict the Bible. And in Revelations, the Bible says anyone who adds to the word of God will be given the plagues of death. Which the Mormon belief is that they have the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. Meaning like Jesus' gospel was lost and now they have the restored version, the only true version. Which, problem in itself and on its own. But yeah, so now I'm going to go on to answer some of these points that I mentioned earlier. One thing of great concern is the mental health effects on LGBTQ youth, especially in Utah. So this is from the Salt Lake Tribune, and it says, A new national survey ranks Salt Lake City's population of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender adults as seventh highest among top 50 U.S. metropolitan areas, a finding that may surprise only those who live outside the Beehive State and it says in quotes, we've long known that Salt Lake City has a high LGBT population, but when I meet people elsewhere and they find out I'm from Salt Lake City, they're always so concerned and say, your job must be so hard. This is Troy Williams, the executive director of Equality Utah. and He continues to say, they don't realize what a gay affirming and gay friendly city Salt Lake has become. So this is actually kind of a different perspective and he's saying that this place is very progressive and very accepting of gays. Uh, despite being in utah and it said that ahead of utah in the top 10 were portland oregon austin texas new orleans and boston next a gallup survey found that 3.6 percent of overall u.s population identifies as lgbt so this was around 2014 or 2016 but it's just crazy to think of all of these social movements and identity politics and cancel culture For this population, that's not even 4% of people. Kind of crazy. It reminds me of the crazy medical restrictions we're seeing now for the maybe 1% to 2% of people who die from COVID. Just pointing out a little similarity. Anyways, so suicide is the... This is actually really concerning. Suicide is the leading cause of death for Utahns in two major age groups, 10 to 17 and 18 to 24. Just think about that. 10-year-old's leading cause of death in Utah is suicide. This is according to the Utah Department of Health, and it says that the LGBT youth are three times more likely to commit suicide than their heterosexual peers. So on a more personal level, this guy Dunford says that he understands firsthand how harmful it can be to, be- to belong to the LGBT community while simultaneously not belonging to the community at large. He says... I was a BYU student who got kicked out and really lost my faith community and friends. I felt totally isolated and alone in a place where I should have been embraced. So just imagine that. like It gets sticky and tricky here because the church is not just stating their their stance on things. They're actually taking action against people who sin in this way and To be kicked out of school, it's like, because this is such a perfectionist, judgmental culture here, if you're kicked out of school, you're seen as bad and nobody wants to associate with you. So it's like, not only did you just lose your schooling, like, you're losing your reputation as well and this community of people who used to be there for you. So this next quote is from mormonandgay.lds.org. And it says, all homosexual or same-sex sexual activity is forbidden by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in its law of chastity. And the Church teaches that God does not approve of same-sex marriage. Adherents who participate in same-sex sexual behavior may face Church discipline. They're receiving discipline from the Church, getting kicked out of the University for their personal battle with sin. And it's like, we're all sinners. We all mess up. Should the Church or a school, be inflicting punishment for that. And it's like, like I was saying before, punishment can turn people the wrong way and turn people further into their sin than if they were to receive support and somebody to talk to. These are instances where people should be drawing closer to God, not feeling like their access to God is being restricted or that he's upset or disappointed in you like Jesus literally gave his life to save you as a sinner he doesn't expect you to be perfect he says it's not about your works it's about your faith so I think that's somewhere where the LDS culture definitely has it wrong as they're disciplining and like punishing these people for struggles like deep internal struggles instead of giving them the love and support that they need and like making them feel like they're ostracized from god like nothing is so brutal than to receive that type of spiritual punishment because you are making a mistake or that you're fighting your flesh so I took these statistics coming up from the utah lgbtq plus suicide prevention plan and it says utah consistently ranks in the top 10 in the united states for suicide deaths for every person who dies by suicide, 135 people are negatively impacted, some of them severely. One recent survey of Utahns revealed that 68% of Utahns knew someone who had died by suicide. And nearly four out of five people said they knew someone who had expressed suicidal ideation. And it says, LGBTQ adults and youth experience a significantly elevated risk for suicide and suicide behavior lgbt adults are two times more likely to attempt suicide compared to heterosexual adults and among transgender adults the lifetime prevalence of suicide attempts is 40 percent it continues to say that national data from the 2015 youth risk behavior surveillance survey indicates that lgbt youth seriously contemplate suicide at almost three times the rate of heterosexual youth male suicide is consistently at least two times as high as females in every age group. So this is a problem that's predominantly affecting males for whatever reason, I do not know. And so it lists some protective factors, like things that help people in this category, and risk factors. So some of the protective factors are one, family acceptance, which we already know is not happening here. Many families do not accept their children who end up being gay or bi or even trans. 2. Connectedness. Another big issue. They get ostracized from their communities, even potentially kicked out of their schools. Crazy. 3. Sense of safety. And 4. Access to competent mental health care, which I think that this is a problem here. Not necessarily because of money or anything, but because a lot of the people who do practice mental health here are LDS. And so there's been uh, debate and controversy over conversion therapy and things like this i do think that we need some more trauma-based uh mental health counselors and therapists who can actually help people work through this and like guide them to this feeling of spiritual connectedness too instead of just feeling like they are separated from god and from their community and then it says risk factors are mental health problems alcohol or drug use and abuse prejudice and discrimination and social isolation which I think all of these things are pretty prevalent here. So on to my next point. Is this a gospel issue or is this a cultural issue? So the church's official stance on this is that it's not sin to have a same-sex attraction, but it is sin to act on it. So I don't have a clear answer to this. All that I could think about was the Bible verses that talk about how If you're even thinking sinful thoughts, like if you're thinking adulterous thoughts, you have already committed adultery in your heart, and thus you have sinned. So then I wonder, is this the same grounds for homosexuality? Like, how does this work when people are literally born this way? Like, I have known people that, you know, from a very young age, you know that they are gay, even if they may not know it yet. And it's like, are they sinful for thinking about these things? Or is it just sinful to act on it? I don't really know. So taken from the Mormon and Gay website. This is a quote from a church leader, Dallin H. Oaks. And it says, There is no change in the church's position of what is morally right. But what is changing and what needs to change is helping church members respond sensitively and thoughtfully when they encounter same-sex attraction in their own families, among other church members or elsewhere." I completely agree. Like there does need to be a lot of education on this and they need to address this so that this culture here isn't so toxic because for sure it is toxic. I go to this Mormon and gay website. This is like an actual church website. And the first headline says, same-sex attraction, kindness, inclusion, and respect for all God's children. And then there's a couple different tabs you can click on. There's one for individuals one for like if you know someone who's gay there are testimonies of people who are gay and in the church so i decided to click on individual like if i was somebody who was struggling with homosexuality and i was looking here these are the things that would come up for me there are like different headlines with drop down tabs the first one is does god love me and then the drop downs say god loves you completely god gave a son for you and you can click on them and there's a more detailed description under each one The next says do i belong as a member of the church and the drop downs from that one say there is a place for you we want you here how can i participate lifting others and everyone has gifts another question listed is if i'm faithful enough will my same-sex attraction go away and then there's a drop down tab titled faithfulness and attraction another says does the savior really understand what i'm going through And the drop-downs say, the Savior understands you, and the Savior has divine empathy. The next one says, who am I? Which, again, I think is a huge issue, especially with identity politics. It's like, when your identity is rooted in the wrong thing, your life can go awry. So, this one is addressing that, and it says, who am I? And then the two drop-downs say, you're a child of God, and then identity and labels. Some more are... Are god's promised blessings available to gay people it says his blessings are available to everyone true does the plan of salvation apply to gay people god has a plan for your happiness and i was just thinking like these are actually some hard-hitting questions and points and i do admire that they're attempting to answer these questions on this like most controversial issue like i do agree with the identity stuff so much it could be so helpful but i don't know that people know that this exists Like, I only found this all out because I was doing intense research for this podcast episode. Like, I don't know if the regular everyday person would know that these resources are even out there. Going down the page, they also, they do have links for resources for mental health, suicidal thoughts, etc. And they continue to touch on, like, the law of chastity, how it applies to everyone, regardless of sexual orientation. And then they finish it all off with repentance, which is what jesus intends for us to do so the byu and lds stance on lgbtq i'm going to give a little bit of history here so in 2015 the church made this policy from divine revelation that classified people in same-sex marriages as apostates and the mormon church also banned any children from these marriages from blessings or baptisms until they hit the age of 18. so this policy, I remember this is when I was questioning the church, and after this I was like, I'm out. Like, this was one of the things that really made me think, this church is not loving, they're teaching horrible things, like they're going to take somebody's sexual attraction out on their children, like this does not make any sense. So this was the reason that I ended up leaving the church. This says that there was a protest where at least a thousand women showed up in Salt Lake to actually formally resign their membership. So that was in 2015. And then in 2019, just four years later, they reversed this. Uh, So they issued a press release and they attributed the policy change to continuing revelation. So they got one revelation in 2015 and the revelation changed four years later. Uh, You know, that kind of seems fishy to me, whatever. On the same day that they reversed this policy, they announced the creation of an office of belonging to combat prejudice of any kind, including that based on race and sexual orientation, according to the apostle Jeffrey Holland. And he sharply criticized faculty members and students who challenged the faith's teachings on same-sex marriage. And then this is, this is from today. This is why uh, there's such uproar right now. Because Jeffrey Holland basically put out a statement, I think it was either yesterday or today, saying that BYU faculty and staff should take up their intellectual muskets to defend the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, especially the doctrine of the family and marriage as the union of a man and woman. And then he said that some choose to aim friendly fire. And from time to time, the church, its leaders, and some of our colleagues within the university community have taken such fire on this campus. And sometimes it isn't friendly wounding students and the parents of students who are confused about what so much recent flag waving and parade holding on this issue means. So there's been a lot going on with this whole issue at BYU. Um, I remember not too long ago, like we have this Y on the mountain for BYU and it's usually lit up. One day, I don't know who did it, but they lit it up in rainbow colors. Like there's been a lot of parades and protests about this whole LGBT issue and that People think the BYU and the church should accept it and just let it be a thing and that they need to be progressive. But I think this statement in particular is what angered a lot of people because it's like the prophet is using this means of violence to combat the ideology. Like instead of offering love and support and like sticking to the gospel, he brings up using muskets, which is like, like, are you fighting fire with fire? Is he calling for violence? And it's especially ill-fitting when you take into account the fact that so many of those in the LGBTQ community have committed suicide. And there was a story by a woman who was on the Mormon Stories podcast talking about this issue who was saying that she knew this woman who actually committed suicide by gunshot to the head. So it's like using this whole idea of using your muskets to fight back is like just kind of disrespectful and like not very compassionate at all so holland brought up the issue of this byu valedictorian who in his graduation speech came out as gay and the valedictorian commented on this and was saying like i stand by what i said and i hope that byu will continue to be a place where lgbtq students can feel safe and respected so i mean i agree with that It should be a place where they feel safe and respected, but that doesn't mean that it should be a place that allows it. And it also doesn't mean that it should be a place that if someone breaks that rule, they get kicked out of school. So I have again in quotes, continuing on from Jeffrey Holland, and it says, Let me go no further before declaring unequivocally my love and that of my brethren for those who live with this same-sex challenge and so much complexity that goes with it, he said. Too often the world has been unkind, in many instances crushingly cruel, to these brothers and sisters. Like many of you, we have spent hours with them and wept and prayed and wept again in an effort to offer love and hope while keeping the gospel strong and the obedience to commandments evident in every individual life. says Holland urges listeners to be careful that love and empathy do not get interpreted as condoning and advocacy or the orthodoxy and loyalty to principle not be interpreted as unkindness or disloyalty to people. THIS. Like, so perfectly said. Love and empathy do not mean condoning and advocacy. Just like orthodoxy and loyalty to the gospel shouldn't be interpreted as unkindness or disloyalty to people. Like, there is a middle ground. But when people are not well educated in the gospel, it's so hard to see this. And you just take like someone not being in support of you as somebody not loving you. So they think that Jesus is all loving. He must support this social movement and the same sex um, marriage and everything. And it's like, no, he can love you, but absolutely not support any of that. But it's like, I don't know if people just are not studied. Like, I just think that people don't truly know what the gospel is. Um, So I continued to do some research and I went to the office of belonging uh, that the church or BYU created. So this is their statement on belonging, which I liked. It says, we are united by our common primary identity as children of God. Acts 17, 29, Psalm 82, 6, and our commitment to the truth of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, BYU mission statement. We strive to create a community of belonging composed of students, faculty, and staff whose hearts are knit together in love. Mosiah 1821. I don't actually know if that's from the Bible or from the Book of Mormon. I'm still a new believer. Uh, but it says, where all relationships reflect devout love of God and a loving, genuine concern for the welfare of our neighbor. BYU mission statement. We value and embrace the variety of individual characteristics, life experiences, and circumstances, perspectives, talents, and gifts of each member of the community in the richness and strength they bring to our community, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27, where our interactions create and support an environment of belonging, Ephesians 2.19, and the full realization of each student's divine potential is our central focus, BYU mission statement. He emphasized that the office of belonging will not only be core to byu's efforts to root out racism so this was initially made for racism but also to combat prejudice of any kind including that based on race ethnicity nationality tribe gender age disability socioeconomic status religious belief and sexual orientation so i went through the site it doesn't necessarily talk about what this office of belonging does or what they can do for students Uh, But hopefully this works out. Hopefully it can be a good resource for people. I still think there needs to be education on trauma and healing interwoven with the gospel of Jesus Christ because I don't think that there's true healing without God involved. Their idea of the LS church having the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, again, as if the true gospel was lost, like that's questionable on its own, but that's a whole nother issue. So then I go on to say, or this is just one of my other points, is Can you believe Jesus would wear the rainbow flag and still actually believe in Jesus? And this is one of the verses that has held the most space in my mind and heart lately because I think it's the scariest verse in the whole Bible, at least that I know of so far. Um, And this is in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. And it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, like on judgment day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? It says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So this is Jesus saying that despite people thinking that they are following Jesus, that they are working in his name, he will say to them, I never knew you. Like, basically, this Jesus that you're following and you're talking about is not me. You're doing your own thing. You're not listening to the commands of your God in heaven. And this is what I genuinely worry about in the LDS church. Is not only do I think that the LDS church is a false gospel following a false Jesus, but I worry that people who, even if the LDS church were to be correct, they still stand against same-sex marriage and homosexuality. But there's so many people in the LDS community who think that LGBTQ should be accepted and should be supported and they're even drawing pictures of Jesus with the rainbow flag and it's like that is not Jesus it's not Jesus and what were to happen if you fully believe that you're doing the right thing and then judgment day comes upon us and you say Jesus Jesus Lord and he says I don't know you depart from me like you're not coming where I'm going that's the most terrifying thing that I could ever possibly think of so scary and it's why people need to be so well studied in the bible like know the doctrine know what it says don't just listen to your teachers and your prophets because it's so distorted now i go to comparing the lds versus the bible doctrine and this comes from mormonandgay.lds.org it says all homosexual or same-sex activity is forbidden by the church and the church teaches that god does not approve of same-sex marriage adherents who participate in same-sex sexual behavior may face church discipline. Again, doesn't really make that much sense to me. I don't know where the difference is between thinking a sin and performing the sin. Also, I don't love that they say they will face church discipline. Like, it is not the church's role to discipline you for sinning. Like, if anything, they should be guiding you towards God, not saying, well, you can't come to the temple now. Oh, you can't get saved now. You can't take sacrament now. It's just twisted, distorted. And then I actually looked up some Bible verses. And this is from Leviticus chapter 20, verse 30. If a man lays with a male as with a woman, both of them had committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. The next verse uh, of the Bible being against homosexuality. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revelers, swindlers none of those will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay? Like, their sins. You're not supposed to be inheriting the kingdom of heaven, but that's literally why he came. Like he said, people who are sick need doctors, just as the sinners need a savior. Like, I didn't come here for perfect people. This next verse is Romans chapter 1, verse 27. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Another one from Mark chapter 10, verse 6 through 9. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So basically, the moral of this whole story, this whole podcast, is that what it says in the ending of that verse in First Corinthians But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Like, this doesn't mean that sin suddenly becomes permissible. It just means that, you know, he knows we're sinners and that's why he came. To save us and to cleanse us so that we might be holy enough to enter into everlasting life with him. Like, we should not be changing his own gospel to say, he loves and accepts everyone. Because that's not the truth. He came here despite our sin. Because he loves us. It doesn't mean he's saying sin is okay now. He's saying go and sin no more. He died for your sins. He came for the sick. Not the perfect. We're all imperfect sinners. And we need to accept him. And have faith in him. And what he did. But that means accepting the word of God. Not distorting it. Like not making Jesus this image we have of him. Or an idea of what we think love should look like. Like do not worship a false Jesus. Get to know him, get to know his words and his actions and put your faith in that because I do truly believe that when you do that, he will refine you and he will turn your heart toward him if you let him and he will change your life because he's been changing mine and I know that there's so many other people who have a similar testimony. I'm honestly out of breath. (laughs) So that is the whole podcast episode for today. Please share this with LDS family members, friends, ex-LDS, people who are battling homosexuality, people who are new believers, new Christians. I just think that this is a really important thing to be shared in this time where the LGBTQ ideology is really, really being pushed in the mainstream media and in culture and like everywhere you look, it's rainbow flags and, you know, all of this stuff. I just feel like time is short and it's important to be right with God. So, I will see you in another episode soon. Follow me on Instagram at M-A-D-I-S-O-N dot P-A-L-I-C-A. I am also on YouTube, Madison Palica. I'm on Twitter, Madison Palica. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple. I'm going to be recording or um uploading the visual podcast to YouTube so you can watch me talk if that's more your style. But yeah. I also am going to be releasing my course, From Stress to Your Best, very soon. It's a six-week course. Uh, It's all based around heart math and their body of research. Uh, They have science-based techniques that you can apply so that you can, you know, gain access to your heart, be healthier, it helps your physiology, your psychology, brings all of your hormonal systems together, your cardiovascular systems, like it just helps you be in sync so that you're not Draining your energy all the time and being stressed and worn out and depleted and drained, unhappy, triggered, annoyed. Yeah, it's really nice. But So that'll be releasing soon. I actually have a link to the waitlist on my Instagram. If you click on that link, there's a video attached that shows the science behind heart math, which is the whole basis of my six-week course. And then if you put in your name and your email, you will immediately be delivered to your inbox or maybe your spam box. I don't know. But you'll immediately get um, a free PDF download of week one so that if you want to like test out the course and see if it's for you, you can freely do that with the full first week for free. And then just for hitting that waitlist button and signing up, you'll actually get a discount the day that I open the doors, which I'm not offering it to the public. So you have to be on the waitlist to get this discount. But the last time I opened it and gave a discount, I literally gave $500 off. So if you're interested and you would like to save up to $500 for sure, sign up for that. It's just at the link in my bio on my Instagram. Again, that Instagram is madison.polika. Thank you for listening. Please share, subscribe, write me a five-star review. And I'll see you next time. See ya.